Greetings in Jesus' name this morning to all gathered here. A few things to mention before we get too far along. I want to thank you on behalf of the offering that you give to us. Um, part of being the brotherhood is taking and giving and fun to take a lot of times, but there's more blessing in giving, and I just want to thank you for doing that, and also appreciate the Sunday School lesson. Andrew, thanks for coming down and sharing, being part of our service this morning, and looking at the clock and my message I think this morning is probably a little bit shorter and I usually don't have a problem going um, and I usually have lots to share but and I don't know if it'll come out through the through the message this morning but I kind of had to struggle this morning a little bit just with things of life And it's nothing real major. It's just that every once in a while a little thing can really goof you up. And I think this morning it was just when I went out to do chores, I was uh, fighting the clock like you always do on a Sunday morning. But we always fight the clock every Sunday morning. I do. We do. But when one little thing comes up, you can take all the weights and the cares and everything you want to come up and dream with, and you can put it all right on that clock all of a sudden for one. Just like, just dump it all right on. It doesn't matter who's around. It was me and my wife doing chores. And interestingly enough, I made one comment to her, and she made one comment back, and we both knew where we were at. And it wasn't any anything major. I mean, we've had good interaction as husband and wife, um, and it's things we've talked about and dealt with. And so one side of me said, stand before you, and I'll ask you, what's getting you this morning? And if you would do like I did, I could point fingers at everything except myself doing chores this morning. It was that, and it was that. It just doesn't stop. And I don't know if you're pointing fingers this morning or not. But until you can get a hold of it and realize that pointing fingers ain't going to do anything for you, you got to take the truth that you were the problem to start with and face it. That whatever you were wanting to point fingers about comes right back to yourself and you got to try to find out what the root problem was is why you went down your mental wanderings that you did. And for myself, I think it's because I was I want to think I'm better than what I am. And when you fail, 
it's hard to accept. And I can say that as time went on this morning, I was able to let go of things. And even to take my role here, I, the, the Sunday school lesson in each part, it's, you know, I, I'm thankful for the position God had given me, but it'd be fun to just say, oh, I don't want to preach this morning. We'll let somebody else preach this morning. No, I don't want to do that. But I knew I had to preach, and wrestling with, I can stand up front here and you may not know what goes on inside of me. And I think that's a little bit what I wanted to confess either to you or to God. She already knows that. And I wrestle with things too. So the lesson, the title, and message this morning um, is one that I actually preached at Millmont two Sundays ago. And Andrew, I don't know if you were there or not, but it's one I think fits well with our church where we are today. And it, um, I, I kind of see this as a preacher can go two routes. He can either be hard on the congregation or he can say, you're doing a good job. And this morning it's not, you're doing it wrong. It's, you're doing a good job. Keep doing it. So I don't know if that'll set the tone for, you know, where, where this is at. But it really could be titled a couple, couple different ways. And I thought about different ways of bringing that out. But I'm just going to give you the title. This morning the title is An Altar Built Unto God. And it simply is my reading in the Old Testament when the characters back then built an altar and what was all meant with that. And the verses I had um, specifically in reading you know, the past while came from Genesis about um, Abraham. And I'm just going to read a few of them. You don't have to turn to them. But Genesis 12, 7 reads, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Genesis 12, 8. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 13:18. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. And also Genesis 22:9. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So the, the word that got my attention was altar. And 
studying into that is where this um, all kind of came about. And I would say at the beginning here that the Old Testament, the New Testament, it changed from one to the other. Altar was able to be identified in the Old Testament. The New, the New Testament is not quite so easy. It's a little different. But if I have any text verses this morning, and I just have them here in my notes, I'm going to be probably reading a lot of scripture, but not necessarily any that you can follow along real easy. But Romans 12.1, As I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And with that verse, um, could add another text verse, Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Most of you know what an altar is. You've seen pictures. You know what they are in the Old Testament, what they used them for. I just want to go over a few basics just to give um, background and history a little bit of what an altar is. It's a raised place where a sacrifice was made. It, it may not have necessarily been from stone. It could have been uh, a place that was elevated a little bit and made flat. And could have been simply made of, of earth, you know, or of dirt. And so it's okay, you know what an altar is. But what, what does an altar mean? Like, what was it used for and what, what all goes with it? If we look at the first reference of an altar being used is in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. I'm just going to read these verses. It's uh, verse 20 and 21. It talks about Noah. This is the first time that an altar was specifically uh, mentioned the, that the word was used, even though it was uh, referred to uh, in Scripture by the actions of the people. This is where it actually gives the first word. Genesis 8.20, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. <clears throat> we see Noah coming right through the flood. It was Noah's response to the goodness of God. They had just, God had destroyed everything, and yet Noah himself was the only person living in the earth. And it was his response to God to build an altar and to sacrifice. And I would also say it indicates Noah's desire, his continued desire just to walk with God. And the sacrifice of Noah was a sweet savor or a sweet aroma to God. It was pleasing to God. And an altar also meant that in these references here where Abraham, a few of the verses say it, doesn't always say it, but it would say they would call on the name of the Lord. You could, 
even in your minds you would know that an altar is not necessarily where you would worship the true God. There is heathen altars. There's uh, other places of worship, idols, um, heathen gods, however you want to put it there. But when Noah or one of these would build an altar and they would call on the name of the Lord, it was impressed in my mind that when they did that, they were stating to everybody around who they were worshiping. And in an evil world, like Noah would have been in before, or even in Abraham, I, it, we don't always know the surroundings of where these um, Old Testament characters, what they were, you know, where they were living, what they were doing. But when they called on the name of the Lord, it was a specific statement to everybody around that this altar is to worship the true God. And that is what is implied in that phrase about, and they called upon the name of the Lord, um, as well as the communication and the um, intentions of, of worshiping the Lord through the sacrifice or whatever they did with the altar. We know of altars that were made by Isaac and Jacob and Moses. And then later on, we have instructions about altars, uh, how they were to be made, uh, specifically Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, 24 to 26. I'm going to read that um, here as well. And this is the first of the Lord stating, this is how you make it. And it says in Exodus 20, 24, an altar of earth Thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Now this was the Lord, or God, telling Moses, when you build an altar, there's going to be some guidelines with it. We're just not going to let you make, make any of it. And the, one, and the first one is an altar of earth or stone, as these verses state, and then... Uh, Second one would be not to use any tools to make it. You were supposed to take what naturally came from the ground and put it, um, put it together to make, either of the stone or the, of the dirt. And another one, if you want to call it number three, it says to not have any steps going up to it. Uh, and I didn't uh, learn a whole lot why the verse ends that says that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. That <clears throat> I don't know besides um, at least a little bit that I could take was is that the dress code for the priests is quite uh, detailed in all the garments that they had put on. And that we know of later on, I think there was altars that were up a little bit, but it's possible that if a person was higher, they could see the nakedness of the person. And God didn't want that. He said, no, you don't build any um, steps up to it. Just the, the way God has it 
uh, spelled out here, the way he, um, way he told Moses. And then there was also more instructions given for the altar used in the tabernacle. Um, it, it was branched out into two different altars. We had, first of all, an altar where all the burnt uh, offerings were, were done, where uh, all the sacrifices were uh, taken on the altar. That's in Exodus 27, 1 to 8. And it specifically says about horns being built on the altar. And I don't know if that's a whole lot of meaning with it, but a horn is often a symbol of strength, honor, and dominion. But another uh, note with that, with the way the horns were made on an altar was, is that a criminal, if his crime was accidental... He could he uh, he found an asylum by laying hold on the horns of the altar. There's a few interesting stories of when one of the uh, oh I don't know the kings or the guards or whoever in the a lot of the, in the stories there uh, if they did something and they would that last resort before they were to be killed they would at least run to the altar and hold on to the horns and may or may not have saved their life and that was. I don't know if that's why God put that on there, but that was one of the details of how it was to be made. Now, there's a lot more details of it, but um, specifically all the wood and the dimensions and everything. But they, you make an a altar of burnt offering, and then there is also an altar of incense that was to be built. And that's in Exodus 31 to 10. It's also called the golden altar. And the altar was to be cleansed and sanctified to be holy before God. That's Exodus 29, 36, and 37. I just want to read those verses for you. And thou shalt offer every day a bullock for a sin offering for atonement, and thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days thou shalt make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be an altar most holy whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. And so God put in place there some uh, requirements of what you can and can't do with an altar. So the altar of burnt offering is simply, like I said, for, for uh, the burnt offering, Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. And it also would be called a brazen altar. Exodus 39.39 just for um, another name of it as we know of it is when we read through scripture. A place of sacrifices. The altar of incense. That was an altar uh, inside the tabernacle and they used a mixture of three spices and frankincense that was only to be offered on that one. No other kind of incense was to be used on that altar. And I don't remember the three spices. It was interesting seeing that they were supposed to take these certain ones and do certain things, and they made their incense, and that was to be offered um, on that altar. So that's really, at least what I have in what an altar is in the Old Testament. But then in the New Testament, 
the word is used 21 times, and it really doesn't reference um, an order quite like what we see in the Old Testament. But the implications are there with the text verses about a sacrifice. And you kind of need an altar to give a sacrifice. The one in Revelation 9.13 says, And the angel, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. I can open up a lot of things, of course, when you quote a verse from Revelation, but there, it's possible, and the, I think another verse in the New Testament talks about it, but there is an altar in the presence of God today. And it's hard to say physical, spiritual, you know, because God is, <laughs> it's not flesh and blood today. So however you want to call that, you may, but it seems like there is some type of order before God. Um, but it still brings up the question, what or where is the altar today? And the two altars that I can find in the New Testament today are, number one, the altar of prayer and praise, and the other one is an altar of sacrifice. And so when I try to take the Old Testament, the meaning with why they did what they did when they would build an altar and worship God, um, how would you define an altar today, even though we don't really have them in a physical sense? When I preached at Millmont, there was a person that came to me and said they actually do have an altar in their house. It's sort of um, interesting to hear that. And this person would have said, I need to go to the altar. And the person said, fairly often or at times or how. But And in the way I took it was is that you just had to bring things back to God and uh, commit them, whatever difficulties, problems, to God. And I think that's right. But we don't need a physical order to do that so I in my attempt at a definition was um, in my writings here I just put down an altar is both the means and the response of man experiencing communion with the spirit of God kind of for whatever it's worth but here is the verses in the New Testament that back up a little bit an altar of prayer and praise, and an altar of sacrifice. I'm just going to read them some more uh, in my notes here I have a reference. Philippians 4.6 Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Revelation 19.5 And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. I also have Hebrews 13.15, which I read already, the text verse, if we would say, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. 
That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Revelation 8.3, another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. I think that's where I see the prayers today are on the golden altar that's before God as an incense, as a sacrifice to him uh, in today. Today's setting, the the spiritual world, the physical world. Some verses on the altar of sacrifice. The one place that I found as an altar in the New Testament, a physical altar, was the cross on which Jesus died. It wasn't one of stone or wood that they sacrificed the victim the animal but Jesus did he gave his life on the cross and I think that could be one form of an altar but some verses that go with that are Romans 12 1 which I read about presenting your bodies a living sacrifice but Luke 9 23 and he said and said to them all if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me Mark 12:33 And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Hebrews 13:6 I read before But to do good and to communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And then 1 Peter 2.5, Ye also as lively stones are built up and a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The era in which we live today, we do not offer sacrifices. We don't slay an animal and kill it and burn it on an altar. But the verses given here, represent something similar in the lives of where we live today. And so I go back to my definition. An altar is both the means and the response of man experiencing communion with the Spirit of God. So now this gets down to today and some things that I was challenged with. And really, there could have been a whole, uh, a whole extension or uh, separate side of this, and that would be worship in itself, as we think of an altar and the, and the worship that's... But it wasn't necessarily so much on worship as just, you know, what, what does an altar mean? But it does. It means worship. And so my question to you is, is how is your personal altar of worship Mm -hmm. 
What is your interaction with God? Have you ever got to the place where you had to respond in a physical way because you were aware of the nearness of God? Something that either drove you to your knees or to a a head bowed in awe. Maybe through creation or, or whatever your situation you would have been in. And this is personally, it's just you and it's just God. You and God. Just the two, if you want to say it. And I think that's what these men in the characters long time back, their situations and what they had caused them to build an altar and to worship God. And today... It's easy to just, we, we don't have that law, if you want to say, the Old Testament law that God said you do this and this and this and this. And he leaves it up to us. It's, it's open to each of us what you're going to do in your worship to God, in, in an altar that you would build to God. And then it's back to the verse about having an altar that's cleansed and pure. And sanctified. And so whatever form of worship, however you worship God, is it clean and pure and is it right in the sight of God? He knows if it is or not. we, We can't fool him on that. But is he accepting your worship? Now, the other verses talked about the way an altar is made. And it, it's, humanly, it's fun to take those analogies and make all kinds of things with them. And I know you need to be a little bit careful with it. But I just put a couple down here. When, when God said that you make an altar a certain way, how do we know we're not bringing our own tools and making the stones the way we want them. And putting together the altar the way we want to. So that we can worship God the way we want to. Like, how, do you, how do we know that? God said no. There is only one way that you're going to worship me. And that is the way I deserve it. And we can't take our own ideas and ways. And try to still come to God on them. And like I said about um, bringing stones that you shaped and formed, it's like, all right, we're going to do our best to make this thing. No, God says, this is what you do. And you just come to him the way he wants you to. And then the other one, maybe a little the way it is, but When it talks about, in that verse, um, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine order, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. I would just make a comment about that. That if you elevate your altar 
to one, one way or another, you're exposing yourself to those around. And that could be through just, I guess you'd say in a proud and haughty way of saying how, how you worship God. I do this and I do this and I do this. And suddenly you exposed yourself how you worship God. And God says, no, I, um, I don't necessarily want that. Just keep it the way I told you to. Um, could be taken different ways, but uh, that, that was one at least thought that came to mind with the um, verse that talks about that. And along with uh, another idea or analogy, um, you know, they would, uh, it has to do with maybe you have more than one altar. Uh, God really only said you build one altar for sacrifice and you build another for incense and there's no more. So wouldn't it make sense for us humanly, fleshly with the onslaught of Satan saying make an altar for God, make an altar for sacrifice for God, make one for incense for God, but then back here make another one that you can do what you want. And I see it in myself very easy that I have plenty of other altars that I put time and effort and energy and whatever else you want to say into that may not necessarily be the right altar. I have down one of work, one of pleasures, and one of whatever it might be for you or me. It could be different. And so, it comes back to, have you experienced true peace and contentment knowing that you have truly worshipped God, and if you want to say on an altar, that is acceptable and well-pleasing in His sight. And if nothing else, may you keep building it's sort of a, not a physical thing we do, but keep building your altar of prayer and praise and an altar of sacrifice that we can be accepted and well-pleasing in the sight of God. Now I'm going to come back and say, what I mentioned about this morning before we're doing chores was, in my exposing my order of sacrifice, you would say, just as an example. That when I realized that if I want to get mad at the clock and all the other things that came with it, that's not acceptable to God. Then it made sense to me that He would be well pleased if I take all that whatever, mental whole thing and take it and offer it to him and say I give up I I want to surrender I want to give in and instant your mind doesn't even have to think for a split second that all of a sudden God goes that's what I wanted that's what I was waiting for 
And so I don't know how you would wrestle with the order of sacrifice. But that is the hard one, I think, in the life of each of us today. Of building a, an order of sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And, you know, for me personally, surrendering, giving in, sacrificing those things. And when, it, when you sacrifice something, does it stay alive at all? No. That blood was taken from that animal and it was drained. The life it's in the blood is gone. It's removed from the animal. And if it's not totally all removed, the rest of it is burnt. And there's nothing left of it. That order of sacrifices, you ain't, you're not reviving anything once it's on there. And the comment that always was about the verse here in Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There it talks about a living sacrifice. And they say to the problem today with a living sacrifice is that it keeps climbing back down off the altar. And that's how true it is. We don't want to totally stay there and be dealt with the way God wants us to. I was also challenged in the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, how he rebuilt the altar that was there in the contest with the um, prophets of Baal. And just, just to read that story and think about what pleases God. You know, Elijah took those stones. He took them the way they were. He built it back up. And he called on the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, yes. Fire fell from heaven. It was, an in, you know, God revealed himself to that. And that can happen today with us. If we truly can come to God, um, great, great things can happen. If we get our order of sacrifice, an order of worship, uh, that's what I see in the, just for, uh, in my mind, the Friday night singing is a desire to have a better altar of praise and prayer and that specifically is through song singing but just to see that you want to please God and do things that bring him uh, that sweet savor of through prayer and through praise um, is encouraging to me and so that I think in if I read my concluding note here, would put it all together. May we all keep building our altar of prayer and praise and our altar of sacrifice that we can be accepted and well-pleasing <clears throat> Excuse me, in the sight of God. And so may all of you continue to work towards that. Shall we kneel for prayer?